Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. So who, who created the word phonetic? You know I me, mean, I like thinking about first, firsts of everything. Yeah. Who was the first person to come up with the word phonetic <laughs> and then spell it with a PH? Like, Mate, I talk about, I've brought this up with Mel like a hundred times. I'm obsessed. It's, it's the most ironic thing ever, isn't it? <laughs> it's totally so to spell something phonetically is to, it looks exactly how it sounds. Enunciate it. Yeah. Using the Yet letters. phonetic doesn't have an F. It's so funny. What do you reckon? Maybe their name was like John Phonetic or something. <laughs> Would Mr. Phonetic come to the office, please? Mr. Phonetic? Mr. Phonetic with a PH? Yeah, no, look, it's. Um, Maybe he was just a piss taker and just thought this is going to fuck some that's what I like. Heads. That's what I like to think. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, so his name wasn't Phonetic, it was something else. And um, he just decided, yeah, I'm going to make it phonetic, but not spelt phonetically. Yeah. So the word phonetic isn't spelt, isn't. Said phonetically. phonetically. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird. Yeah. It'd be phonetic. Yeah. <laughs> phonetic. Yeah. 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 Maybe well maybe that's how you meant to pronounce it and someone's just come along and changed it. Maybe. And I don't he, know. And then he kicked the bucket and now he's rolling in his grave. Kick the bucket. wait, oh let's start kick the bucket. Yeah. We're gonna be talking about impermanence today and that's gonna involve mm. a lot around living and dying. Yeah. So when someone Strap dies in for that one. <laughs> hey? Strap in put your seatbelts on. Mm. We're talking about death, all the yeah. good stuff. Yeah. So to kick the bucket, where does that come from? I don't know. It just popped up a bit earlier. Um kick the bucket. So first thoughts. <laughs> I heard a story one day about a person who stubbed their toe and died. Right. So I... That's a serious stubbing. <laughs> that's a stubbing of epic proportions. <laughs> I don't... It's a pretty lame way to die as well. Can you imagine like we were like <laughs> up in the afterlife somewhere. It's like, how did you die? It's like, oh, I was attempting a world record or yeah, I was Harpooned. saving someone's life. How did you die? Stub me toe. Stub it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold it against me. <laughs> it's like when you're in jail or something and you're trying to get street credits. Like, yeah, I'm in for armed robbery and, uh, yeah, bloody assault. And someone's yeah. like, data theft. Stole a teddy bear. Some, account- <laughs> some accountant or something's in data there. Data theft. Yeah. <laughs> Dodgy investments. <laughs> Ponzi schemes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this dude might have kicked the bucket and then he died. And everyone's looking around and like, what's the cause of death? The the, the coroner came along and, all right, we've got to decipher cause of death. And someone's like, I saw him kick the bucket. What kind of bucket would be keeping you alive? A steel one. This, well, this is no, no, not not the stub, the toe. But I'm, uh, I'm, I don't think that's where it's from. This stubbing the toe one. This sounds like an anomaly to me. <laughs> I don't think it's, is that a recent Look, phenomenon. It, no, well, listen, right? It could have been a, a heavy steel bucket in the 1700s, yeah. you know, and like cast iron. Heavy but when did this toe stubbing happen? No, no, well, Sounds well, like you said it like it was a recent event. No, I heard a story about someone recently and which made me think... Sounds like Chinese whispers to me. You sound like Chinese whispers. <laughs> and so it got me thinking, well, perhaps the term kicking the bucket, he came from, he stubbed his toe, created a blood clot which went through his system into his heart, caused coronary mm-hmm. okay. death. Um, okay, What's your, what's yours? What, no, what's I, I don't know, so I'm just going to use my well, intuition. I don't know either. So, this so is I've got two things coming to mind. I've got a... That's uh, rare. I'll call Mel. Yeah. <laughs> first time ever. <laughs> um, 
So uh, I've got a hospital setting. I don't know where the bucket could like a bedpan in my head or something from a hospital. The, fra- the phrase doesn't kick the bedpan. No, I'm just I'm thinking out okay. aloud here. Uh, okay, you, let's. You're going through it. And then for some reason I've got the image of like a cow with the bucket um, <laughs> that you would milk into the pail bucket, and it's kicking. You have to t- you have to tie the cow's leg. The cow kicked. The heavy bucket and yeah. it flew into the man walking behind it, hit him in the head and killed him. I don't know. <coughs> I don't know how you can just make that a sweeping statement then that if someone's kicked a bucket, they've died. Maybe just the bucket of life, they've kicked that and then that's. Oh, you're going metaphoric. Well, like, well, it doesn't sound like it would be literal, does it? No, oh, I don't know. I'm just playing around trying to make it literal. <laughs> Feel free to Google people because we're not going to look it up. We're not looking up where these things no, come we from did anymore. It, we did the other podcast and it just didn't end well. It was yeah. so weird. Yeah. I like our imagination's versions better. So I'm going to read out a review and okay. I'm going to kick the bucket. All right. Yeah. So we got we got some reviews and I'm like, I'm going to read it out on air. And, um, well, we, th- we thought okay, before you read it, we, we should probably educate the listeners about why we started the podcast which was just an excuse for you and I to hang out basically basically and then we just press record and, <laughs> and record our ramblings and our wafflings <laughs> uh, and to have ramen um, and then people started listening to it for some reason and then it's people are starting to say we're, we're, we're enjoying it we're liking it and now people are leaving reviews so we're yeah we're very grateful for <laughs> people that we are listening, are listening to it you know my wisdom and Nick's ramblings and waffling. Yeah, like we're very appreciative. Yeah. We get you know private messages and yeah. that kind of thing, which I think is really really cool. Yeah. Like at the end of the so day, what's, I mean, what's what's come through? Uh, so please leave a review if you and subscribe. This is the this is the idea of the thing, right? So yeah. if, if some if you leave a review, yeah, we'll read it out on the show, yes, we and will. then make some wild assumptions about who you are <gasps> as a person. Okay, <laughs> and I know this person, so um, you're going to make the assumptions. Am I? Yep. So Benny, Benny left a five-star review, said, Loving the podcast, fellas. You guys are switched-on blokes. That's debatable. Uh, (laughs) Keeping it real with some great insight into dealing with mental health issues. Another step towards openly talking about these topics. So thanks a lot. Keep the conversation rolling. Mm. Maybe that's why you know people are into it a bit. You know, it's it's honest conversation yeah. coming from two. Well, that's the feedback I'm blokes. getting in person from people. They they love the rawness and the openness and the honesty. So yeah, which doesn't feel that raw to me. Does it feel raw to you? Like I just no. I think we're used to kind of talking about a lot of this stuff. So anyway, Benny, that was a lovely review. Thank you for leaving that. So who do you think Benny is? Benny just sounds like a really solid bloke. Right? I reckon I reckon Benny is a a tradie. Um, not like your tradie who smokes darts and has pies at Smoko, but he looks after himself. I'm thinking yeah. like Sparky, possibly into roof restoration, something of that nature. Wow. Um, you know, chesty bonds, yeah. reasonably short shorts, pretty in shape, like hits the gym maybe three times a week. He's okay. married. Okay. Um, a kid on the way. But no kids yet. Right. Right. I think Benny, like, he loves a laugh and everything with the mates and that, but he'll have a few beers, but stop at a few. But he's really good to his missus. I reckon he's just he's just a solid individual. I reckon he's quite sought after in his roof restoration or his electrical business because he's, you know, with tradies, it can be a bit hit and miss as yeah. to what you get, but he's a very, very reliable tradesman. Yeah. Yeah. Also think he's into backgammon and cards. I was going to say, what um, what sports do you think he's into? Yeah, backgammon and cards. He, like, he goes to the gym, mixture of weights and cardio. Mm. When it comes to sport, he's a big kind of, uh, you know, Back game, like not board games, but you know those kind of different, you know, right. games. Bit of chess, bit, bit of, of bit of chess, poker. 
all that kind of stuff. Um, and doesn't mind playing squash every now and then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, every second Thursday down at the YMCA. Yeah. And I reckon he's 35 to 40 years old. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Benny's a fireman. Ah, oh, close. Is it? Sparky fireman. <laughs> That's a long bow you're drawing there, sunshine. Um, he is a solid bloke. Into his very into his personal development. And very, um, yeah, I'd consider him to be a woke bloke. Right. Um, and does have kids. Yeah. Currently renovating, so he's been doing some tiling at home. That's where I was getting the trading yeah, vibes from. Yeah, he's exactly. renovating. Yeah. You're like a clairvoyant. My, I'm, I'm like just a wonky clairvoyant. <laughs> Clutching. So his name has a vowel in it. That's what I'm picking up. His name has a vowel and probably a consonant (laughs) as well. Um, And sport-wise, I don't think we've spoken about sport, but uh, Benny comes. So where where my office is located uh, in in the building of another business called Enhanced Wellbeing Co. down on the Mornington Peninsula. and so they're well, your physical health, they're my therapy and Pilates, and then I've come in as a mental health, and we've sort of combined forces to create a, a, a well-being membership. So instead of paying fifty-five bucks a week to go to your, your F forty-five or whatever, as many times as you want, we've come up with heaps of you know, three different types of Pilates, two different types of yoga, stretch, roll and release, meditation, mindfulness. All this, um, all these classes, and you can go to as many of them as you want to. So Benny's been smashing that, um, and he's just he's loving it. He's into it. He's yeah. He's you know, there's a Facebook group, and he's in there posting stuff. And mate, hats off to Benny. Solid, solid dude. So thanks, Benny, for uh, thank you for leaving that review. Yeah. Um, so yeah, feel free to leave one, guys. It's really easy. You just scroll to the bottom of your podcast app and just put a little review in there. Um, even if you don't like it, leave us a one-star review and we'll read that out as well. Totally. And we'll make wild assumptions about the next person. <laughs> you will be wild. You'll, you'll be the anti-Benny. Mm. Um, all right, thank you, Benny. I've got another bone to pick with you, mate. Okay. Right, before we get into this. Good. A few podcasts ago, yeah. um, we were talking about my fear of spiders. Yes. And I, I was actually telling you that I was getting a bit nervous talking about it because at the time I hadn't seen a huntsman in quite a while. And, and you, you're also a manifester. And I'm a manifester, yeah. Mm. Since that discussion, yeah, three huntsmen's, yeah, suck on that. Two, two of them, <laughs> two days in a row, <laughs> mate. It's not me. It's the universe heard it and is like, right, we, he, she, it. When we have to, there's an opportunity for us to to help Ryan overcome his completely irrational fear. I was talking about. Uh, what well, hasn't worked? I haven't overcome it. <laughs> I'm well, that's still on you, useless. not the universe. <laughs> I was talking to someone yesterday about it. Um, you know, irrational thinking. And I said, it just it doesn't make sense for like a 90 kilo man to jump up onto a chair when he sees like a, a spider the size of a 50 cent coin. Like no. it, it's just completely irrational. No, and I, I'm aware of that, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm having trouble, you know. I'll start off all right. I'm like, all right, you've got to, you've got to change this pattern. So I'll start trying to, you know, talk to it in a nicer way. I'm like, it's just... Just another living being. G'day it's Dave. doing its best. Glad, glad to have you. In. Yeah, maybe I can usher you outside. Then as soon as that thing moves, I'm like, "This is the devil's creature. <laughs> Who created Die, you spawn of Satan? Who created this thing? <laughs> Freaky little fucker with eight legs. Well, bring me your hairspray and a lighter. <laughs> that freaks me out as well. I've never seen a huntsman eating anything. Oh, like, where do they do that? I've never seen it. I've never seen an huntsman 
feasting. They just they feast at night. Do they? Oh god! On your dreams, freaking me out. Do you know how many people eat spiders in their sleep? I don't know if this is true. It I've, is I've, true. I've heard so many people eat spiders in their sleep. You're saying so many people as if you don't. How do you? know? I may. Yeah, I may be part of that. So many. Um, Imagine if they laid eggs in your mouth at night or something, and yeah. in the morning all these baby spiders ran out. Yeah. Wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> he's turning green, listeners. He's going to throw up. Yeah. Uh, there was some... Remember there's like ridiculous rumours went around when you were younger? Oh, the... Like just... Yeah, and you know how it started, but some of them just got legs. What are they called, those rumours? Um, what's, what's the term for it? Uh, well, this one was that... Um, no, the, like the uh, any rumour yeah. is... That'll oh, no, come to me. It'll right? come to you. I'll yeah. tell you what the rumour was first. So it was the, it was like a news reporter at the time, like Naomi Robson or Jennifer Kai. I can't fucking remember, right? Had sex somewhere? No, they went to have a shit in an outback oh. toilet in like Northern Territory and a spider crawled up their ass and laid eggs. <laughs> and for whatever reason, it just got legs and everyone went, my, like, it was like school or something, just was talking about it for ages as if it was fat. Did you hear the one about bros and one of them had like, Drank two liters, two liters of sperm. Like apparently they're gay. And what's bros? The bands, you know, the the blonde haired dudes in the eighties. Nah, what? Before my time, mate. I'm a bit younger than you. You'd never heard of bros. I've never heard of bros. I'm normally up with pop culture throughout the time. Well, they they looked anyway. They punk rockers or something. What what's that expression called? The listeners are probably screaming it in their car. Yeah. It's called their snack. So what happened? I can't hear you, The rumour was they drank two litres of cum. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was it. Where did, where does someone come up with this? And how does... This is a probably good thing. I was talking to someone else the other day about how negativity travels faster than positivity. What mm. are your thoughts on that? Yes, I agree. Mm. And and in my line of work, we you know I talk about destructive and constructive thinking so I think destructive thinking is the path of least resistance it happens mindlessly it just it doesn't take any effort and so that's why it travels so much faster where constructive thinking you have to be more present and mindful and conscious and mm-hmm. uh, observing your speech in Buddhism they talk about one of the on the eightfold path it's right speech so you have to actually stop and listen to what you're saying um, so yeah that's that's why my theory on why negativity travels faster yeah that's why you know people fall into gossip and gossip can be so alluring you know like if only to a small mind though I think only yeah to a, so what was it Socrates it said small people talk about small minds talk about people um, and I forget the rest of it but it was basically if you're not woke all you're going to do is talk about surface level shit yeah instead of ideas and yeah yeah exactly. yeah, yeah yeah no I'm um Dr. David Hawkins, so he's it's sort of in line with your destructive or constructing, and so he's got his scale of consciousness, and from, you know, the, the, it's a level of 200, you'll call it, or below, is called force, and it's all life uh, taking away or destructive, so destructive thinking and conversations and uh, emotional patterns and that kind of thing, and everything above that level is life-giving, so this is more mm-hmm. like gratitude, acceptance, willingness, love, yeah. all that kind of stuff, and um, the research that he's done is found that humanity, I think it's 78% of people are below that line, so they're in that uh, destructive mind state, 
Yeah, so I think mm. with having more than three quarters of the, if you were to go by what he said, more than three quarters of the population kind of in that negative state, yep. it makes sense that that kind of virus spreads a lot faster than a positive virus. So with that in mind, when we're making laws and, and um, trying to construct a society, do we try and make it for those bottom sort of two thirds or do we try and make it for or three quarters or whatever it was or do we try and make it for the more constructive things like who do you have to pander or cater to that's oh, that's just an interesting discussion I think about um, the way <coughs> laws are constructed and, and penalties and that kind of thing and I think it's all quite ridiculous that the more that I am going down this certain path the more I believe that so, so someone might get punished because they've committed certain crimes they end up in jail they're in and out of jail their whole life and that kind of thing so they're punished for bad choices that they made the more if you really studied that person and what they'd been through you would see that it's 99.9% certain that that person was going to go down that path it's kind of like a predestined path yeah, people who get in trouble like this have very, very traumatic upbringings. They're brought mm. up in poverty. They're brought up with people who beat them. They're, all this shit goes wrong. And then we basically punish them because of this childhood trauma that's getting yeah. played out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just, I get well, more and more of a deterministic. Podcast mm. and, and how if we're continually punished for things that past versions of us did, remember in the shame yes. podcast, yes. I think. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. So I'm just thinking like, because if we keep pandering to our the lowest common the lowest denominator or the the weakest link then how are we going to evolve as a society where if we set the standard up here then it sort of forces people to try and rise up or lift up or yeah yeah I think that's I think it's a better way to do things is not like say it's an individual basis like what we, we work with people on an individual basis and one of the things you don't want to do is if someone comes in and they're in a pit which they generally are in a pit mentally and emotionally yeah. is to get in that pit with them no. and start to try and help them out from that way because all yeah. of a sudden you're both in the fucking pit yeah. <laughs> um, and that's hard when you're naturally we're both naturally uh, very empathetic uh, people so that natural inclination is to jump in that pit with them and say it's okay I'm here too yeah um, which doesn't help either yeah either. I'll lift you out and then you're off on your merry way but then I'm left in the pit yeah yeah so you do. yeah you, you end up you know you might have got yourself into a nice state of that acceptance and gratitude and everything and then by getting in the pit with someone you're pulled right down now and you're mm. in that stuff which then doesn't help anyone um, I think as a as humans we're moving in the right direction so we, we are evolving with our consciousness. Do you consciousness. feel there's a conscious shift? Yeah. Yep. yep. So then I think that shift is going to happen and so it's how can we speed up that or what kind of impediments do we have in place that are slowing down that natural evolution? But are we going to do it in time? Because the way that we're fucking up the planet and the way that yeah. greed is all-consuming and it's like a cancer and, you know, are we... Are we are we trending in the right direction finally but is it going to be too little yeah. too late and then the other question is doesn't even matter like is the evolution of human consciousness really that important at all not in the grand scheme of the universe yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still like to think aliens are doing drive-bys on us and going <laughs> those earthlings are still doing that yeah. thing and they're uh, still having wars with each other yeah. after all this time yeah <laughs> oh, God, and they live on this beautiful planet and they're still filling it with plastic and yeah. trilling holes in it and yeah yeah they, they, we must we must I think we're the village idiot in the universe. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's like, is it that episode of South Park when like the Earth's a reality TV show and they're all just watching? I didn't see it. It's, oh, it's a very, I haven't seen it for years. It's a very, very funny episode. <laughs> anyway, the boys get to go up to wherever this, you know, alien <laughs> people are and, and found out that we're a TV show. Yeah. And then it's like hilarious. And, you know, they put the dinosaurs there for a bit and took them away. <laughs> anyway, they end up hanging out with the alien producers of the TV show Earth. Yeah. Because it was going to get cancelled. So they were just going to destroy the planet. Oh. The TV show was getting cancelled. Destroy the planet. Like destroying the set of a show. <laughs> anyway, these weird aliens had all these bits off them and they, they, boys got the aliens really, really drunk because they were trying to change their mind. These aliens end up going and getting drugs and getting hookers and everything and it was just they had like weird bits coming off their shoulders they're like you know suck my schlemmer or whatever it was it's fucking hilarious but they decided not to cancel the show so the earth could go on so <laughs> funny segue because my I just came back from a, a trip to Fiji where I, I caught up with my best friend she was producing a reality TV show in Fiji she was there for eight weeks oh and, wow and we were talking about yeah, reality TV show. And I was talking with another friend and he goes, it's weird that they've called it reality TV because it couldn't be further from reality. Like if there weren't cameras and, and this constructed space, people wouldn't be like that. Yeah. So it's not reality. It's like, you know, that original reality show with Big Brother when that first yeah. came out. That was more reality because but, the but cameras were hidden. True. But yeah. still, like what part of reality do you go and live in a a like blocked out to the external world house with a whole bunch of strangers for a few months. That's uh, a Vipassana meditation retreat. Ah. Mm. Did you film that? No. No. You weren't allowed to have your phones. <laughs> Imagine that documenting the Vipassana. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it'd, it'd be boring. <laughs> yeah, be- lots of sitting <laughs> and then watching you have your fucking orange when you're in <laughs> line. <laughs> Is he on drugs? What is no, he doing? High, high on life. <laughs> high on life, baby. Yeah, so, so high on life, but then high on death. High on death, yeah. What um, Hawkins talks about as well, I'm just reading a lot of his at the minute, so it's sort of front of mind. Um, I've been following his teachings for years and years. He's dead, but I've um, got a lot of books. Um, and he talks about that the evolution is gonna, of consciousness is going to speed up and become faster not because we're going to become activists against all these certain things and blah, 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 but by raising <coughs> our own consciousness, that in turn raises the consciousness of the people around us. Yeah. And when enough people do that, it's like a, a, an electromagnetic field. So my state of being is an electromagnetic field. So someone of a very, very high um, energy or consciousness can start to affect lots and lots of people who are stuck down in very depressive states. Yeah, not, well, not by anything they're doing, but by how they're being. Yeah, yeah, just by existing. So This is why people go to gurus and stuff like that and they'll go, not to get a specific teaching, just to be in that energy mm. and they'll feel better. That's probably why we have listeners of this podcast because they just want to be around our energy. No, I'm just trying to make something up there. Um, <laughs> just trying. This, this happens in, in other trying. ways as well. Like this, like I was, when I was a drug addict, who did I hang out with? Other drug, drug addicts. addicts. Um, people in pain and I, I made a video about this once called Friendships in Hell um, because I would watch when I first went into that world from you know this recreational use and still having a job to this full-blown addict you would sort of move in these circles so you'd have this set of friends and you know people I was hanging out with were like oh fuck so and so you know they stole from us the other week and yeah fuck blah 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 and then a few weeks later I'd see them all hanging out like best friends again mm. and I'm like 
what's going on here? Didn't they like, mm. you know, because if someone betrayed my trust and that, I'd just wipe them off for good. Mm. But then what would happen, there's only a certain amount of people in that same kind of vibration and energy mm. to hang out with and it's better to hang out with them than being alone. So people hang out with people for a few weeks or whatever it is, they'll hurt each other, move to the next group after a while, hurt them each other and you'll eventually get round to you hanging with the same people again. Mm-hmm. It just keeps going round and round in circles because you like subconsciously want to be want to be with other people that are in pain. Mm. Yeah, so that's because you get kind of you don't want to be alone, and you're just you're so drawn to that because it makes you not have to look at yourself as much. Well, it's, uh, it's coming down to a culture. It sounds like, and, and you know, they talk about success breeds success, winning breeds winning. Um, but also, it's ironic as well if you start donating and giving then other people around you will start donating and giving as well mm-hmm. um so yeah it does change that that frequency i suppose and that's why you know we and the topic today is impermanence a lot of the social circles we move in friends relationships family members all this stuff they're often not in our lives forever you know as we change and they change mm. we generally have to so like when well, they're like characters in this in a, in a story they come and go don't they yeah so it's like when i went through my healing process and stopped using drugs i can't go back now <coughs> and hang out with the same drug addicts i tried to yeah i went back because i sort of wanted to help them because i'm like it was classical when you've had this experience like, i'm going to tell everyone and everyone's going to get healed people don't yeah. <laughs> but i, don't I would go back and hang out with them and I just look at sort of the what they were doing, the way they were acting, and I'm like, "Well, this is fucking crazy." And but I was in that situation just weeks before, so then people struggle because instead of then starting to change the people that they're around and the energy that they're around, if they're not open to that new life, they get sucked back into the old one again. So I read a I read a, a quote. To sort of validate that, I suppose. Not that you need validating because you're, no, wonder, you're a wonderful person. Uh, a mind that has expanded through experience cannot go back to its old dimensions. Mm. So I've dumbed that down for my clients in terms of well, like a stinky wheel of cheese. Yeah? Once we mature, we can't unmature. Yeah. And so, and we spoke about it very early on, I think, about, and I wanted to ask Tristan on the Blind Tiger Yoga podcast. Because I feel I, I couldn't go back to the army, you know. Um, it just it'd, it'd just be weird. It'd be disjointed. It'd be strange. But even if you did, which won't happen, but if you did, yeah, it would be a different experience because you're different. Yeah, and the army's different. It's like that. One of my favourite quotes of all time was, um, "A man will never step in the same river twice because he's not the not the same river and he's not the same man." Mm-hmm. Which is this idea of impermanence. Yeah, it can never be that same. Um, no, everything has changed in in a heartbeat. Everything changes, and and Osho talks about you know we don't suffer anxiety and depression um, from the past or the future because the past and the future don't exist. What we're suffering is our memory and our imagination. Mm. So in that it's like okay well if you stay here then everything's okay but if you keep bouncing between the past and the future if you keep running into your memory bank and reliving the traumatic experience which then shuttles you into the future and you start creating anxiety about what if and oh god and the uncertainty of everything you're just going to be bouncing between suffering Mm. and suffering and suffering and suffering and i think 
all of that is a a desperate attempt to try and control the next moment. Yeah. Because that's like if I refer to my past, I'll know what to avoid for the future. And I go to the future and plan it out, then I won't be worried. But all of that is just such trying to control that next moment or something in the future that causes all this anxiety. And I, So you have to let go of that. Yeah, but I talk to clients about it takes more strength to let go than it takes to hold on. And mm. people think they're in control, but they're what they're actually doing is they're holding on out of fear. So and they hold they're trying to control things because they're in pain. So a metaphor is imagine if you've just broken your leg, and it's really sensitive, and you go to a party or whatever, and there's little kids running around, there's Lego on the floor, or there's furniture and anything. Uh, you'll go into that environment hypersensitive. You'll go into that um, in your fight-flight mode because you'll be like, oh, God, you'll be on edge. Oh, something's going to hit my leg. Something's going to hurt my leg. And and so you're, all right, can you clear that out of the way? Can you move that? Can you tell those kids not to do that? Can you do that? So you'll be in a state of anxiety that whole time because you've got a sore spot that you don't want to to be touched or yeah yeah and we do the same thing emotionally so we go into a space and and because we're we've got an emotional source but we're going to try and guard and protect it uh and we do that through controlling but what people misconstrue i suppose is that they think that they're in control no i was in control of that but you're actually in fear Mm. and real genuine control is letting go yeah yeah for me like my natural inclination right now this is one thing that i'm actually really focusing on myself is just going into every experience without thinking about it yeah and just it's like it's like we just need to trust ourselves what yeah it's like like so woke man when we're (laughs) we think about things so much more than we need to and don't trust ourselves right because like it, it, my, my normal go-to for most of my life is every situation. So say if you know, I'm waiting for you to come in here today and I'm just imagining how that first conversation is going to go, what we're going to talk about the podcast, how hey? that's going to go. No, no, th- this is a lot in the I'm transitioning right. out of this. Yeah, yeah. Even I would have it like going to a cafe for a coffee that I go to all the time and I would just have to kind of run through, okay, I'll go in, I'll say hi and I'll sit there. Like it's all this trying to control everything because we think that we don't trust ourselves enough that I don't have to think about any of this consciously, yeah? Even I've found this, I've found when I've been on, say, you know, someone else's podcast or interviewed or that kind of thing, when I just don't think about it all and just go in there and just let your mind, you know, mm. kind of take over and, and respond to mm. what's happening, mm. it's just so much easier. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've, I'm just trying to recall when I was like that and I think it was probably for me that was about... 10 years ago I was like that mm-hmm. and that's what got me into that really bad headspace because um, I'd yeah, be overthinking things and I'd be trying to construct a reality that made me feel safe and secure mm. instead of as you say trusting yourself but um, but then that it's like that structure that you've got in the future like has to be all exactly how you imagine it otherwise that all starts to fall apart and all this fear comes up for yeah, people but, and then you create all these expectations and demands and when it doesn't happen so you, what that you're living then in the reality of what you think should happen mm. um instead of the reality of what does happen and it sounds like you're transitioning out of the reality of should into the reality of what is mm. and just being there and just observing you know oh, that's just okay next year now we're going to start talking yeah which is fine i can do that yeah it's just it's just you know it is a transition phase so you know if 
say I've got a, you know, talk to do, you know, next week, yeah. then all of a sudden I'll start, you know, planning out that talk and blah, 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 but I know everything. Like I actually don't need to think about well, it. Well, Bill Gates said the best presentations are the ones done without PowerPoint and everything because if you need a PowerPoint slide or whatever, you don't actually know what you're talking about. Mm. So If you need cues and that kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, and I've, I've got a bit caught in the past in – this whole marketing thing of okay, I need to have a construct. I need to have a you know um, a plan for this speech. Da, 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 da. But that's just not who I am. It's not mm. how I roll. It's not what I, I, I do best. Speaking from the heart and and speaking openly and honestly. And um, you know, people aren't going to remember the words that you said. They're going to remember how you made them feel mm. when they leave. And, and so, so true. Yeah, and so that's what I try and do is just just connect with people on that level and help them to feel something different. Yeah, and then leave. Good. Tell us about your moment at the beach you had the other day. Yeah, so I was walking walking Polly, and what sort of headspace? What was happening? I just separated uh, from my partner of a couple of years, so um, just you know what what I do. And uh, speaking of impermanence, everything's got an expiry date. Um, and so the expiry date came, and and I called time on it. And so I, I, I pro- when when there's a shift in my life, in the past I used to just go into that destructive nature and just drink and you know um, escape, you know the the change or whatever. But uh, about four or five years ago, I learned to. I run myself through my own programs and now I prioritise my mental, physical and nutritional health and I'm, you know, so I was out prioritising myself and took Polly down the beach and making sure I'm taking the hard path and getting out of the house and doing that stuff um, and we're down the beach and I just saw this dead bird flat on its back uh, <laughs> it looked really strange, it, it looked like it had been placed there, I don't know how it got there like it had flown, was it flying and then just died mid-air and sort of crashed yeah. or whatever. On its stomach or on its back? No, on its back. On its back? Yeah. yeah right. So maybe, maybe splayed open. Yeah, maybe it died in the ocean and got washed up or something. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I looked at it and I just it struck me, the first thing was everything's impermanent and um, it was just a reminder of that I suppose and I, I was talking to someone uh, a few weeks ago about um, connectedness and how everything's connected. So you pick up a book and we will label it as a book. But is it a book? Like, you know, And this is the author, but how many people have created that book and how many, yeah. like, you know, the trees that were made and what were those trees before they were trees and the, the ink. And, and even trees are labelled. Yeah, yeah. And, and the ink and all that sort of stuff. So this book has come from far and wide um, and I was thinking oh, this bird is going to break down and become fish food or you know octopus food or something and then that octopus is going to get caught and then that's going to be eaten by someone and so this bird's going to end up in someone and then that's going to be fun you know so it was just this cycle of life and death samsara mm. and and so I'm in this headspace and I'm just <laughs> a beautiful sunset and and then all of a sudden I started thinking about um, you know, life and death, and I've always thought of them as two separate entities. And but then I'm, I'm thinking, right? But as soon as we're born, we start dying. But we're also living while we're dying. Mm. And then it was just like this 
I'm like, living is dying and dying is living. Did some light out of the sky start shining down upon and, you and, and the bird? So they're, 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 um, Not even do we see them as separate, but like we see them as opposites. Don't yeah, we exactly. So, but they are, you can't have one without the other. It's probably duality, I suppose. It's, but <laughs> I can't remember the word I came up with at the time, but it was just this massive aha moment of, you know, people are so afraid of dying, but in being afraid of dying, they're afraid of living because living is dying and dying is living. And do you think, like, that bird that you saw, it was never afraid of dying? No. So, so... Yeah, it just I, lived. It, it just, just lived. It just lived. But on the way here... I was it was thinking, just a bird. I was, on the way here, I was thinking about beliefs. And some cultures believe that they need to mourn the death of someone for 12 months and wear black and uh, really go into deep suffering. Uh, where other cultures celebrate the life and, and don't mourn because they're so happy that this person was here for however long they were here and they believe in reincarnation so they're already being reborn somewhere else yeah and so there's nothing to be sad about yeah it's interesting i am as you know my little puppy disco i had to get put down like a month or two ago Mm. and um obviously was just i was a mess for the for the first little while just going through that grieving Mm. process um but now yeah it's kind of interesting like his his life force went and I was there as his life force mm. went. I was hugging him as it happened, which was beautiful. Um, and, you know, he got cremated and then those ashes were spread over a garden. Mm-hmm. And now I have kind of these loving memories in my head. Mm. And, you know, I flick through my phone and look at the old videos and that kind of thing. So it's like, is he dead? Like he's alive in a different form. So his his physical body has gone back to nature to help part of nature grow Mm -hmm. and then his memory lives on in my mind so and i'm really thankful for that so how can i be sad about his passing interesting you know me and semantics his memory lives on in my mind doesn't sound quite right because he's not a he doesn't have a memory well his memory isn't in your mind no that's just a wrong language yeah so so my memory remembers him yes (laughs) and his life yeah um yeah, his memory. Yeah. And then same thing. He was, he was. I wasn't in his head, but I'm quite certain he was never afraid of dying his mm. entire life. Mm-hmm. He just lived. Yeah. And that was sort of, so many dogs that have that great energy because they don't worry about this kind of shit. They're hyper-present yeah. creatures. Exactly. So, so and, and the law of nature is that everything is impermanent mm-hmm. and nothing lasts forever. So this thought that you have or this feeling that you have or this experience that you're going through or this relationship that you're in, uh, none of it is, is going to last forever. But yet people get stuck yep. in thinking this is horrible, this is the worst. They, they freeze these, these thoughts uh, and beliefs. And, and so that, that we have this weird way as humans we continually will freeze life and these experiences as memories. And that's how it was. Where was it? That was just your perception of how it was at the time. Yeah, it's we're, we're strange creatures. Yeah, I think we we get it. We get caught up because impermanence is what makes life so amazing. Yeah, because if things were permanent, like that would be so shit. It's well, like the analogy of the sandcastle. Like you make this amazing, beautiful, incredible sandcastle, and it is so beautiful because 
something's going to come along the water, the tide or whatever, and wash it away. Whereas if that same sandcastle, we made it out of concrete, you'd be like, it wouldn't have the same effect. Uh, yeah, it's great. Knowing that that's like, what are those... Uh, uh, the, was it the Buddhists or that they make yeah, those the, intricate the mandala. yeah yep. like beautiful months making them months making them and then just as soon as they're finished we'll push their hands through them because <laughs> they're practicing impermanence yeah and um, non-attachment yeah. yeah and well so you know in, in the MindFit program it's based on two philosophies that the law of nature is everything is permanent but the source of all pain is attachment so if we get attached to this belief that everything should last as it is forever that's going to cause suffering and we're going to because we're attached to thinking this should be this way and should is a cognitive distortion so our mind is going to become distorted and then it's going to create this emotional disturbance and then we're going to go into this suffering and it's just we don't need to do so much of that and then it's I think grief's a funny one as well because while I'm while I'm sensitive to the nature of grief and understanding of it, I also think in a way that grief, and I'd love your opinion on this, um, grief could be a very selfish thing because it's rarely about the other person. It's always about us. What am I missing? I can't believe he's dead. I, I can't believe I'm not going to see him again. I can't. It's all this destructive yeah, thinking. This shouldn't be happening. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm so sad. I, that sentence starts with you. It's I'm. I'm so sad. Yeah. It's because I've lost something. Yeah, exactly. I've lost. But hear the, hear the attachment in that, the possessive nature. I've lost this person. Mm-hmm. That, was, that were never yours. That's right. Yeah. That so this here. is... Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, I, I haven't. I've had people in my life pass away, but I haven't had like you know, a really a really close friend or a family member pass away. So I yeah. haven't. I haven't been able to put myself in the fire, Apart so to from speak. Disco. Yeah. So that's what. So with disco at the minute, I'm. I'm not. I don't feel like I've lost anything. Mm. Yeah. I just feel kind of grateful for having been in each other's life for a period but of time but that's a constructive thinking is going to gratitude yes yeah. so that's i'm i'm practicing that with him yeah, so i haven't been in a situation the, of time, with a, a human you, happening um so i can't say i would do the same with them but i hope that i would yeah well uh, but that's, for me that's a very healthy way and that's what it's not good or bad or right or wrong it's about whether it's healthy or unhealthy and i think you you were you know went through a traumatic event and and lost a creature that you loved and i'm gonna it's gonna happen to me one day with polly but you didn't get stuck in that experience you didn't get stuck in this belief that it shouldn't have happened or it's not fair or Mm. woe is me or this happened to me you didn't become a victim no you've you've gone into gratitude instead and gone you know i'm deeply sad that i don't get to hang out with my buddy anymore but on some level you're understanding that everything's impermanent so you go into gratitude and yeah. Just, yeah which doesn't happen straight away so you know I, I let myself be sad and cry <coughs> for a good few days there like yeah. I was a bloody mess of course and didn't try to push that down at all so I was able to really feel those feels and those emotions but you express them correct in a healthy way yeah so that's for me in my past 10 years ago I wouldn't yeah. have done that like I did it this was one of the big issues with me was when my uh, marriage broke down and, you know, I truly believed this at the time, but like two weeks, this is a 10-year relationship, you know, we're, you know, very, very close, obviously. And like two weeks after this massive bust-up had happened, I thought I was fine. Yeah, right. I was, uh, people would ask me, I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. I'm yeah. absolutely fine. And I, I 
fully believed that. Yeah. Right? I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you, we're good at convincing ourselves of otherwise. We, we get very good. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Some with the impermanence thing as well. I, I often talk to people who are using drugs and that kind of thing. And it, this kind of helps just shake things up a little bit is like, they'll, you know, they might have, you know, had this big slip up or gone on a bender and they're like, I just can't see myself ever getting over this. Mm. Like, and I look at it and I'm like, you're going to stop using drugs. Like, I 100% guarantee you'll stop going to using drugs. Maybe that's with a needle in your arm in 30 years. Maybe in 20 years you do it. Maybe in 15, maybe in 10, maybe in five, maybe in six months or right now. You are going to stop. I guarantee that. Mm. Yeah. And that kind of shakes things up. It's like, oh, so even at some point, I'm going to stop. So that can then lead them to say, why not now? Yeah, yeah. But that's a belief that they've got that I can't do this. So mm. they're putting up a mental barrier and a limitation and a glass ceiling. That's so it's reframing some I can't to yeah. I will. Like yeah. I will at some point, yeah. whether it's when I die or in 10 years or whenever. Yeah, it's changing their belief and opening them up to the reality that they can stop using drugs. Well, they will. They've got no choice. So I, uh, <laughs> I, um, uh, another metaphor I use is the carton of milk. And so sometimes I'll even go to the fridge at work and get a carton of milk and say, what's on the side of this? And they're like, oh, it's an expiry date. stamped on the side. It's not like a lost kid, is it? Remember they used to put lost people on the side of the milk? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, before my time, but... Um, <laughs> it's a long time ago. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, Sorry. That's no, fine. It's anyway, okay. carton of milk on the side, expiry yeah, date. so expiry date. And I say, right, imagine this milk is... Your partner or your dog or someone. It's a, it's a relationship. It's someone might have a weird fetish out there. It's your, it's your job. It's uh, it's your car. It's something, right? And so you, you love this milk and you go, I can't survive. I can't breathe without this milk. And you, you save money and you, you accumulate. You get this possess, possession of this, this carton of milk. And it's the greatest day in your life. And, oh, my God, I have this milk. Yes, finally. And it makes you happy, yeah? And here, the red flag in that, it makes you happy. Right? You've outsourced your happiness. Some sweet milk. Yeah, <laughs> some sweet sugar milk. And all right, so and, and immediately you've, you've taken possession of this milk, but you realise that, um, that it's, it's, it's finite. There's only one litre of it. And so as soon as you get this possession, you start living in fear. Because oh no, one day I'm not gonna. Ha- one day it's gonna run out. So it's such a weird headspace. Because I'm so happy, but I'm so sad. Yeah. And with the, in Buddhism, it's like there's an aversion there and a desire. That's there's an attachment to both, which is creating that suffering. So okay, so in order to try and <laughs> minimise your suffering, you just take the cap off and have a cap full of milk every day. Right? You're gonna you're gonna make this shit last. Yeah. It's 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 gonna be last because I love it so much and it's so delicious. So a week goes by and you've had like seven capfuls of this milk and there's still plenty left and you're stoked. You're like, fuck yeah, this is gonna be awesome. But then uh, the expiry date reaches and you ignore it. You're like, nah, it's gonna be fine because you're so attached to to needing it. So you you ignore the red, you ignore the warning signs, the alarm bells. And going off, it starts to taste a bit sour. This next cabinet, nah, it doesn't. No, nah, I'm convincing myself that it's fine. It's delicious as milk. I love it. It's so tasty. 
And then, you know, two weeks into it, it's getting more sour and you're starting to, yeah, yeah, nah, it's good, it's so delicious, oh, it's the best milk ever. And you're still convincing yourself you're overriding all this stuff. And then third week, this l- slimy lump sort of falls out into the into the <laughs> lid and you you hold your nose and you, and you suck it down as like a, an oyster. <laughs> and, and I'm starting to feel sick. Yeah. This is what happens, and you start to feel a bit nauseous. But you, no, oh, such a good lumpy milk. I love this milk. And anyway, four weeks into it, and it's it's just it's so toxic, and you end up in hospital. And the doctor comes around, and is like, "What? Why are you in here? Well, what have what have you done? You can't see a broken leg or anything." And the nurse goes, "Ah, oh, he drank off milk." And oh, that's not that dangerous. No, it was like four weeks off. He's like, "Oh." And so whose fault is it that you're in hospital? Is it the milk's fault or is it your fault? Well, clearly it's your fault. Yeah, but people don't see that. Remember we talk about we've got this garden and, and we expect everyone else to come and make our gardens look nice. So so many people will outsource that and they've outsourced their happiness to begin with. So I've got milk, this makes me happy. But then when they get sick because they've gone past the use-by date all of a sudden they're like oh that stupid fucking milk can't believe that milk made yeah. me sick what a bastard of a milk relationship this is like the relationships the, the yeah she's can the be worst that kind he's of a prick she's gone sour yeah. <laughs> he, he, he went sour months ago but you're the dickhead that stayed in the relationship yeah out of fear of change or fear of not having that financial security well or it's because youth in the milk you thought you found the thing that was going to make you happy forever. Yes, but you didn't realise it's impermanent. Yeah. And it's got an expiry date on it. Yeah. And there's going to come, that before that expiry date comes, there will be alarm bells. There will be, it'll taste different, it'll be a bit off, it'll be, something will happen. And like you said, you will ignore that you shit. Will, you, will, you will block it out and push it far away. Because what happens in, uh, in relationships, well, we hold in mind that first time that we felt like this was going to solve all our problems. Yeah. So even that off milk, we'll be like, no, nah, it's still, it's that old milk that I first bought. So you've gone into this completely codependent relationship and then when the thing that's holding you up, when this, uh, when this thing that makes you happy, the source of your happiness leaves, because it's going to do, because we live within the law of nature, you're going to fall flat on your face mm. and then blame that thing You'll for not being there. You'll resent the milk. Yeah. You'll be like, you made me happy and then you stopped making me happy. Yeah. So How if dare the, you? If this thing is responsible for your happiness, when it goes past its expiry date and it leaves, then it becomes responsible for your unhappiness. Mm. Which is just a strange, strange, <laughs> strange thing, isn't it? There's a beautiful saying. Uh, I think Michael Singer was this one, and this is about this impermanence. He goes, anything that happens for a reason won't last. Yeah. So if something came to be yeah. for a reason, it will go. But and, we, and, and that's everything. But we don't we, – we hold on to things out of fear of losing them and, and all that sort of stuff. I, I take clients across the road into this park and we find a flower and I'll say, right, if you loved this flower, most people would pick it and then they'd take it home. This flower's already dying, yeah, but you love it because it's in perfect bloom. You love the perfection of it. And then you take it home and it starts wilting and dying and all of a sudden you don't love it anymore because it doesn't look as it did a few Chuck days it ago. <laughs> it doesn't look colourful and bright. It's now brown and floppy. And yeah. and so the appearance of it is what you loved. You loved this, uh, You loved what you saw in it, not the actual essence of it. No. And people are standing there like, 
fuck, and they're reevaluating all yeah. their relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Do I love conditionally? And but that's a good head fuck to get them into because it, it makes a challenge. You need them. to be head fucked, yeah, to start to shake up these beliefs. Yeah. It's like the the snow globe, and sometimes you've got to shake that fucking thing to yeah. bring all the stuff to how the surface. Are, how are you loving? What sort of relationships are you in? Explore your relationships. Yeah. yeah. I loved the, uh, I think it was Caesar that, uh, or Marcus Aurelius. Anyway, he's cruising around in his chariot and he had someone, a little kid behind him going, you know, everyone's throwing um, laurels at him and all this sort of stuff. And and he, this kid's going, and one day you will die. Yeah. And one day you will die. And one day you will die. Yeah. And, and he, that was Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, and, and you, you would pay that kid. Yeah, so and you yeah. put him there. But imagine the foresight yeah. to employ this kid to stay to keep you so grounded yeah. it was like ego deflating ego deflating because yeah. he deflating. he's like I'm the most powerful man on the planet yeah. <laughs> and I that's that's real woke of him fucking woke real hell. woke of him just to say I've got to I've got to try and keep myself in check here. yeah because all these people and are also I think up his he'd all, they, they, he would also say to him you're just a man yeah you're yeah, just yeah. a man yeah and uh, yeah so that memento mori and you two will die is that and, and people and stoicism people come into contact with stoicism and and their natural reaction to it will be oh that's terrible why do you want to focus on death but until you embrace the fact that you're going to die you can't really live and we're speaking before about imagine instead of giving a birth certificate you know, at hospital you're getting a death certificate so you know, Mr. Stevens, you are going to die at the age of 47 years and six months and this is how it's going to happen. How would you live your life differently compared to if you just got a birth certificate? Yeah. It would be vastly different, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I often – I try and do that thought experiment a bit. I often I freak myself out because I start thinking about the universe <laughs> and how we're – it feels like we're standing still but we're flying through space like at an incredible speed. I love that, that quote about – when you when you think you're having a bad day, just remember that you're a uh, a soul wrapped in a skeleton, hurtling on a burning ball of a, rock around through, a burning ball, yeah, <laughs> through hurtling through space, through infinity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes I think about that, and I, I kind of get this weird feeling because I'm like, it could all fucking end like right now, yeah. right? And then what I come to is when I think about, oh, let's say it all ends tomorrow or it just ends for me tomorrow, what would I do different? And oftentimes I wouldn't do anything different, but I would be different. Mm. So it's not like I'd pack my bags and go to Disneyland and I'd do this and I'd do that. Like, no, I'd, I'd probably do the activities that I'm doing now, but I would, I would be more loving. I would be more appreciative. I would be more present. I would be more grateful for the small things. And present is the key because that's going to keep you in those moments and – Elongate your life. It's so weird when people say, oh, can you believe it's nearly Christmas already? And I'm like, well, I can because we've constructed this calendar. And, and it seems to be fairly consistent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we we made it so. I feel like people say that because they've just got fucking nothing else to exactly. say. Exactly. But, but uh, for me, these people that say that are, are just existing, they're just surviving, they're just going through the motions yeah. throughout the day. And, and all of a sudden they pop up and it's like oh my god it's christmas already and you're like where have you been you haven't been present you haven't been here for the whole year so it's just it's just that's i don't know it's it's, a, it's an interesting one and um <coughs> and we're going to talk about actually so say 
when people do get some sort of diagnosis where they're like, hey, you've got six three months, months yeah. six months to live, then normally you see one of two things. Yeah. Yeah. So that radical changing of how you are, who you are as a I'm person. Overhauling my life. Overhauling my life, yeah, yeah, changing everything, or people who go the other way and just become depression. super depressed and isolate and just kind of wait for that day to come. So I think the the catalyst for which of those two paths you take is probably your level of wokeness, perhaps. That's like and your level of attachment. Um oh, I can't believe you know, that your your capacity to go into constructive thinking or destructive thinking. I can't believe is is destructive. So I can't believe I'm gonna die and so I may as well just die now. You know, compared to Alright, I I can choose of my own free will to live the rest of my life, however long it may be, to the best capacity I can. And yeah, you know, it's a it's a wake up call for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kinda sad that we need, you know, a terminal illness diagnosis from a doctor to 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 wake up. Yeah. Yeah, they'll say the biggest catalyst for people to change their lifestyle from like a nutritional and stop drinking and smoking is um, for someone to have a heart attack. Yeah. Um, you can get all the advice for years, but it's not until you have the heart attack. Um, the issue with a heart attack is it's the first kind of sign of a cardiovascular disease and you've got like a 50% chance of surviving yeah. <laughs> that heart attack. Yeah. Um, but that's when you're like, all right, I'm changing my life. But that's because we're so ignorant in a literal sense. You know, what changed my life was this epiphany I had when I was in my deepest, darkest headspace and I couldn't leave my house was this thought, if my mind is capable of stopping me from leaving the house, what's it capable of at the other end of the spectrum mm. if I put some time and energy into it? And that was life-saving because it made me realise that there was another way. And um, so I didn't have the physical heart attack, but I probably had the mental heart attack mm-hmm. equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, brain attack. Yeah, but, but because what got me into that was my ignorance. I just didn't know that we all have mental health and there's lots of things we can do to attend to it and keep it in shape and we can exercise our minds and all this sort of stuff. So... Yeah, and that we can we can actively change those patterns because like all of us are having a subjective experience. Mm. So all of us are kind of viewing a bit of a different reality. Well, that's subjective. But <laughs> it's very subjective. <laughs> like none of us know what reality is. Well, it depends because people live in the reality, as I said before, of what they potentially think should happen or what they think must happen or could happen instead of, you know, instead of just observing the reality as it happens. So this person is, is cutting me off. I can't believe they cut me off. You shouldn't be driving like that. That's not living in the reality of what happened. What happened was this person just moved in front of you. But you personalised it and made it about you. Yeah. You became a victim. But it, even, even if you let go of all those attachments, you're still not looking at objective reality. You're still having to process things through yeah, your you're senses filtering it and, and you're filtering. Yeah. So we've all got our own subjective reality and we play out the same subjective reality because that's what we've done in the past. So then we don't change. But mm. if people understand that you can actively change your thinking, then your, when you change your thinking and your beliefs and your emotional charges, then all of a sudden your subjective reality, so reality to you, can start to look drastically different. 
and you can start to let go of a lot of these old patterns that have been causing so much angst and so much pain. Uh, that's all I tell my clients I'm trying to do with them is I'm not trying to change their lives and tell them what to do or anything. I'm just trying to help them to change their beliefs because our beliefs create our perception which creates our reality. So if you know, when I got better, it was hilarious to learn that nothing had changed. DVA was still DVA. I'd still blown my out. I'd still been treated like shit. I'd still had all these experiences. And my past hadn't changed. You know, no magic wand had been waved. I had changed. And my cognitive processing and, and structures had changed. I'd rewired my brain, literally. And so, therefore, I'd changed my perception. My dad was no longer a prick. I understood that he was a man who was struggling and I was using empathy. So his actions hadn't changed, but my perception of him had changed, mm. and so therefore my reality was completely different. Yeah, because the, the yeah the truth was he was none of those labels. Like he, <coughs> he he wasn't a prick. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. He was none of that. But there's a belief created there, and that belief altering your perception and how you live your life, which then affects you. Because I needed him to be the prick because I was in that victim mentality. You needed someone to blame. Yeah. 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 So you change, yeah. I think Don McGowan says whoever controls the belief controls the game, and you can mm. make your life a. We're, we're creating art. So Don McGowan would say our our life is our personal art. We mm. are creating an expression, and this is our life is our art. Now, beliefs control that art. So if we can start to control the belief, we can change our work of art to be a masterpiece. Well, I think the, the I don't think anyone will ever be able to tell full, but I think about. 96% of what we do is unconscious. Yeah. So we're, we're only conscious for 4% of what we're doing, mm. which is completely unwoke. So we're all unwoke. Yeah. yeah. But imagine if we could shift that into 5% or 6% or something like that and just be more present and choose and more mindful of so much more, then we would get to create the artwork that we are capable of creating yeah. instead of just mindlessly drawing and doodling yeah and cock I think, and balls are and, the, <laughs> and nothing wrong with a bit of that though <laughs> but i think this is where contemplation and meditation and looking at ourselves and our lives is really important so say so if i'm in the car right and i'm get road rage and get pissed off at someone there's that's an unconscious thing that's going on. Another unconscious thing that's going on is I'm driving the car yeah. <laughs> unconsciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the end of the day, I can sort of look at my day and I don't have to analyze how I was driving my car today so I can change that unless I'm a shit driver. But I can go, hey, I got really angry at that dude in traffic today. Yeah. Why? Yeah, Why I mean, would I get so angry we, at that? We can't be completely present because we don't have the brain power for it. No. As a, we, don't, our pro, we don't have a big enough processor. Like, I, my hand has moved and I made... Uh, 300 movements in I wasn't conscious for any of them no so we can't it's energy conservation yeah we, we can't consciously choose all of our actions or anything but you're right we, I think we can do a better job of becoming more aware of what we're doing and then looking at it going is that healthy or is it not healthy mm. what's the ripple effect of that okay yeah it's probably something I could evolve um, and consciously go about changing that yeah so it's like that four percent whatever it is that what we're conscious of that's kind of where our attention is placed yeah so you ask yourself where's my attention yeah 
because that the stuff that my attention's on is the stuff that I can change or it's the stuff I'm just reinforcing that I don't want. Well, it's mental proprioception. So physical proprioception is just the awareness of our body in the space that it's in. You know, so my hand is here, my hand is moving here, my head is here. You know, and we can, so we get a feeling for where we are and we connect with our body instead of it just being arms and legs going everywhere. And same thing mentally, we can actually observe our thoughts and observe what's happening uh, and just go, oh, I'm, I'm here, I'm in this headspace. Am I consciously choosing to be here? No, I don't want to be angry right now. Right, what's causing it? Ah, oh, some irrational belief that I don't think this bloke should be doing that and the whole Monash freeway should be going at my speed and in the way that I think they should be driving. That's completely fucked up. So... Anyway, mate, onwards and do your thing. Yeah, so that's 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 a really good point because I think that this is a belief as well. We, a lot of people think that I am my thoughts. So if I think I am my thoughts and I'm just caught up in my thoughts, then I I can't watch them. Mm. Yeah. So if I say, okay, I'm going to start paying attention to my thinking and my thought patterns, then I've, I've created a little bit of space between my attention or my awareness or my consciousness and the activity that's going on in that's my mind. That stimulus space response mm. so it's, it's observed something will occur then you step into that space you observe yourself and you mindfully respond yeah um that's for victor frankel but what we most of us do is stimulus is exactly the same we'll mindlessly react and then we'll go into that space of suffering yeah because the attention's not on ourselves the attention's on, on that outside on the world event. yeah on the stimulus and then you're like oh this happened to me yeah <laughs> you, know, you personalize it this this is this is this is fucked this happened to you i can't believe that happened yeah that's like the thing, say, with discos. I say if i was to go into that thinking i'd be like oh why has it done this to me yeah. or why has this happened to me it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's my dog, did, did my dog decided that uh, he wanted to die just to make me sad. Yeah. It's like, it's just so silly. And we, we give our power away so much. Yeah. Mm. Take the power back. Funny creatures, aren't we? We are. We're, we're um, yeah, we're pretty strange. Yeah. I think a lot of this comes down to, you know, we have evolved on programs that have been all about survival and propagation of the species and that has led us to being the most dominant species on the planet because we can work in groups. When you say dominant... Population-wise, okay? Ants? Okay, food chain, I suppose. Go go for a swim off Perth. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like we've... (laughs) Like each species has this survival mechanism. I think our egos and our arrogance has created this narrative that we are the dominant species but i think we're we're not we're we're just we're we've built i'm not saying it's a good thing Mm. i'm just saying that we now control a lot of what happens on this planet we we affect it yeah probably too much yeah so from the point that the dinosaurs (coughs) who are the most I know dominant mightn't be the right word, but it's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying dinosaurs got wiped out with a meteor and all of a sudden the mammal species started to evolve and grow and become more uh, dominant, I suppose yeah. is the word, until we eventually got humans. So these old programs for survival and planning and all this kind of shit help us survive but don't help us reach any state of peace or contentment. Yeah, it's so all, we have to fight but, against a lot of our old programs. But that survival is, you know, when I was a lifeguard, you'd go and rescue someone, and they're not conscious of you at all. They're just it's all about them. Mm. And I think that's what humanity is. It's all about us, and it's all about 
how are we going to survive or in survival mode? And when you're in that, there's no capacity to then be mindful and conscious of other creatures and the planet and the trees and the environment and all that sort of stuff. No. Because it's all about us. And this, I need instant gratification. I need, I need this hit of chemicals running through my body. I need, I need this. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling of, of, of separateness. Yeah, but it's just all we're so fear-driven. I think our, our human nature, by nature, is very destructive. Yeah, and so I think it's. Um, but I think on us as individuals to evolve past that. Yes, this, this is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, like I think this this fear that is so much of our motivation. That same fear is what evolution has created because it's been successful for us in the job of propagating our species. It's got us up and running, but now we need to shift gears. Correct. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. That's why I think it's consciously fighting against this old programming yeah. for survival is what will see us go to that next stage of, yeah. of I, consciousness. I, I concur, sir. You concur? Yes. There we go, peeps. Mm. Impermanence. Nothing lasts forever. Enjoy the, the, the milk for what it is and and then, you know, when it's gone, be grateful for that you had the milk. Exactly. And whatever you're doing today, go into it without thinking about it. Yeah. Just go in and let let your body just react to the present moment. Yeah. And you'll see how you can start to trust that thing a lot more. Yeah. Awesome. Have fun with that. Have fun with that. Yeah. All right, guys. Peace out. We'll see you on the next episode. Don't forget to leave a review and we'll make some wild assumptions about who you are as a person. And we'll see you all in the next episode. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time. Woke.